Hey there, welcome to night school. It's December 22nd. It's 12-22-2020. 12 22 Um But, uh, yeah, I'm thinking about the coronavi. And what's interesting with the coronavi, or anything like that, anything that's a, a, a much larger situation that prevents you from focusing on anything else, I mean, not to say all you're thinking about is the coronavi, but when you have one single thing that is affecting you, that is affecting everybody, that itself is just an ongoing experience. And what's interesting about something like the coronavi, and this applies whether you think it's a hoax or whether you think it's uh, realer than dirt. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a, is that a saying? It sounded good. Because <laughs> I, know, I know that dirt is real. Um, but, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you think coronavi is a hoax or whether you think it's real. I have an interesting stance because, as I have mentioned, you know, I think that I had it and I think that I have lung scarring as a result, but I still think it's a hoax. <laughs> I believe in the damage that it did to me, yet I believe it's a hoax. Try to understand that one. That's my riddle. That's my Zen koan. Uh, coronavi doesn't exist, but coronavi also damaged my lungs. It's both. It's everything. Coronavi, if anything, haven't we realized this yet that coronavi is everything and nothing, folks? Coronavi is some sort of riddle. That's all it is. Coronavi is just a riddle. It's a version of, you know, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Yeah, back in like the, the, the 1950s, back in the, the 1800s, back in the 1220s, they used to say this thing, uh, what's the sound of one hand clapping? Well, ever since 2020, we say, uh, is a coroni? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to say yet, you know? I don't know what they're going to say, but it's going to involve coronavi. And it's going to replace the sound of one hand clapping. But it doesn't matter whether you think it's a hoax, whether you think it's realer than dirt. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It's still affecting everybody. Even if you think it's some sort of new world order manufactured tyranny. I don't know that the tyranny would be manufactured, but everything else is. Um, but even if you think that, it doesn't really matter. Everybody's being impacted in, if not the same way, a similar way. So we're all experiencing this single thing, and a lot of people have the sense that, oh, I'm not having new experiences. Oh, welcome to 2020, the year that we didn't get to have any new experiences. Meanwhile, you're having the newest experience of your life, but it's you're not able to see it because you're experiencing something mundane. You know, of course, it, it differs. Some people have some people's lives have changed dramatically. Some people have had to leave their homes. You know, that kind of thing. So some people have had certainly had some adventures uh, that they may not have wanted to go on. But there's a lot of people who are just experiencing something, you know, it's it's repetitious, it's Groundhog Day. That's what they're experiencing. And as a result, they don't feel that they're having new experiences. But you do have to be able to look at the bigger picture of the whole thing as a new experience. And not just a new experience, because that sounds cheesy. I'm whistling a lot with my teeth here unintentionally. Um, 
but it's not even about a new experience. It's just something that is a total experience. And that's what I mean about it impacting you, it impacting the last nine months of your life, whether you believe it, whether you like it, whether you hate it, whether you don't believe it. It doesn't really matter what you feel. You are in this experience. But it's interesting that it's an experience that prevents you from having these other smaller experiences. I almost said experiments. <laughs> They're all aren't all experiences uh, experiments. Isn't every experience a experiment? Um but no that's that's kind of what people are feeling where it's like it's this total experience that prevents you from having new experiences at least as you once defined them because I've been saying I mean I'll stand by this because I've been saying this one long before coronavirus I've been saying you know you can have the adventure of a lifetime in your own backyard and I stand by that and you might have to get creative you might have to accept that sometimes the adventure is that there's no adventure but I mean you know how often do you look in your own closet how often do you even go in your backyard you know how often do you even like explore your house? Not that I'm saying that you know you can keep yourself busy doing that forever, but it forces you to look at your own living space in a different way. It forces you to look at yourself in a different way. And so it's not that people aren't having new experiences. It's just that the way that they defined them before, like oh, I'm going to Cabo. I'm going to Cabo, and I'm going to go to a club there. I'm going to eat good food. I'm going to Cabo. You know, people used to define their adventures that way, and they always will. People have always gotten their adventures that way, you know, because that's what you do. You travel. You do things. You have those sorts of experiences. Because you can't necessarily choose to have a new experience when you repeat the same day over and over again for most of a year. You can't necessarily manufacture those conditions. I mean, some people are able to do it. I mean, that's essentially what a monk does. You know, some people choose that life deliberately. I mean, people always have. It's not even that it's some... It's not even some grandiose spiritual thing. I mean, that's what people... That's what peasants have done. That's what people who farm. That's what people who work the land have done. And they haven't all been miserable. You know, not all of them have been miserable. Because it's almost like a... You know, it's the Camus, um, Sisyphus, can Sisyphus be happy question where it's all that. You know, can a person who farms every day and pretty much has the same day every day their entire life, raises a family, does all of these things, but someone who basically lives the same day over and over again, you know, can that person be happy? Can someone who's repeating any task, can someone who's repeating a day? You know, you can ask yourself that same question, you know, can you be happy doing the same thing or doing something very repetitious, something that, that feels unchanging? I mean, you, obviously you can. Obviously you can be happy in that. And I think that happiness itself is what I mean when I say, like, having an experience. It's something that takes you outside of your, your head in that moment. And that's often what happiness is. I mean, that's what happiness is for me. You know, I'm not somebody... You know, while I do feel happy in the sense that people usually use it, like, smile on my face... I'm happy. I got a smile on my face, you know, or laughing, any of that genuine joy, you know, like, I mean, obviously that's happiness too. And I experience that. But when I talk about happiness on a life level, when you think about being happy as a person, 
in your in when your entire life is I don't want to say is filled with happiness, but is just when you are a happy person. I guess this is the simplest way to put it. You know, I think that itself is is you're out. It's when you're outside of your head, you're able to somehow get outside of your head, and it's not that you're experience experiencing what we would call joy all the time. You know, if you have a happy life, it's not that you're experiencing joy. It's not that you're smiling and laughing all the time. You might. But for me, it's simply, am I interested? Am I engaged? Am I astonished? Am I experiencing new sensations? Or if I do experience the same sensations, do they feel different? Or do they still, even if they're not different at all, because oftentimes they're not, you know, are they still something that interests me? You know, uh... Whatever it is. Uh, so, I don't know. You know, while I think that the conditions everybody's been forced into are certainly wearing on me, even as someone who doesn't really mind these conditions, as when they're voluntary at least. And I'm not a shut-in. I just mean it's like, you know, I, I don't really mind people being self-contained. I don't really mind that. Uh, but it's there is a feeling where we're you know, it's forceful. There is a forcefulness. It's le- There's a legal mandate that people stay in their homes and do various things, you know, these limitations on their lives. And when it's forced on you, that's usually not going to make you content or happy. You know, it, you're just basically waiting. You know, you think about the experience of waiting for a bus being in the doctor's office, these moments that are just completely boring. And yet that's also what people look for when they're in a loud household. You know, you think about the the stereotype of the dad who goes in the bathroom to get away from his wife and kids. Or the kid who goes into the bathroom to get away from the other kids and his parents. I don't know, whoever it is. Uh, I think people have been hiding in bathrooms for a very long time. But you think that person would love to be sitting at a bus stop. That person would love to be in a doctor's office if they had the choice in that moment. When that dad is feeling really stressed out and he's surrounded by his kids screaming, his wife isn't happy with him, whatever it is, and he goes into the bathroom to just sit on the toilet lid, to crouch on the toilet, not even to just sit with his legs touching the floor, to like stand on the toilet lid and crouch, uh, whatever it is he's doing. He would love the option if somebody said, hey, uh, you know, your home life's getting the best of you, huh? Well, I, I can transport you to a doctor's, a quiet doctor's office waiting room. You're not going to be interested in, in, in any of the magazines. There's going to be nobody there for you to talk to. You're going to be all alone, and you're going to have a, a nice long wait for a doctor that never comes. Hey, I'm going to see the doctor who never comes. The doctor who never calls my name. The nurse, there's no nurse, there's no doctor. I just sit in this waiting room. I'm going to transport you there. That person might very well find that attractive in that moment. Be like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm so desperate for solitude that, yeah, I want to go just hang out in the bathroom by myself. Uh, and if you could magically transport that person to the DMV, for that matter, some place that we normally dread, they might very well do it because it means getting away from the situation they're in. And uh, it would be, you know, it'd be, I don't know, it would be a way to take them outside of their own 
head for sure. Because, I mean, that's always the problem, you know, when I talk about getting outside of your own head. It's not just those sort of, it's not just that internal rumination. It's also that the things you see and hear outside of yourself, the things you read, they're also a part of your own head. And uh, that makes them insufferable. Because you might not even realize that that's the case. And this isn't some, everything's an illusion, everything is in your own mind. I'm not, I'm not even saying that, that, but I'm just saying that so much of how you interact with things outside of you is based on what's going on in your own head. That it's not just your internal, your inner monologue and the internal rumination. It's also the fact that everything you see and do gets processed by that head. It gets processed by whatever that system is that takes things in. And so when you get outside of your own head, it's not just that you've stopped this internal monologue. It's also that you're now interacting with things outside of you in a different way. And that's what a lot of people don't realize, because I feel like a lot of this stuff is focused way too inward. A lot of psychology is focused way too inward. And I know that people into psychology, I know a lot of psychologists uh, would probably, they might agree with me, you know, they might say that too. I mean, but they, they would say a lot of it is based on, you know, a lot of the the skills, you know, a lot of the guidance they give people is based on those people navigating the outside world. And I'm sure that's true. But I still, I, I do think we've developed this point of view, at least in our culture, where we think, when we think about our when we think about just being in your own head, because there is this kind of, it's a pretty much a cliche at this point, like even even what I'm saying, getting outside of your own head, you know, it's pretty much a cliche at this point. It's kind of like saying, be in the moment. While there's truth to it, while there's value to it, it's just a platitude too at this point. Um, and it's also, I don't know, all this stuff, it tends to be focused on what's going on inside of you when a lot more should be focused on what's going on outside of you, but how you are taking it in, how you are interpreting it, how you are dealing with it or not dealing with it. And for that matter, when I talk about happiness, you know, it's not just happiness inside of you. It's not just this feedback loop of things that are happening inside of you. It's all of this stuff, too. It's the stuff going on outside of you as well as what's going on inside of you and the way that that stuff enters you because you're not, it's not disconnected. You know, it's not separate at all. Um, but uh, with Coronivi, to return to Coronivi or anything large, you know, it could be a, a very big personal tragedy. It's whenever there's a single event that consumes everything else and other new experiences don't happen because this one singular event is so large that it just consumes them all. It just lays on top of all of them. And with something like this, where people are locked down, where stuff is closed, where people are isolated, that's pretty obvious. You know, it's, it's pretty obvious, you know, what's going on there. But it does also happen in other situations. You know, it does happen with tragedies. I mean, it's kind of what happens to people when they get broken up with. And everything sucks for a while. You know, it's almost the same thing there where it's like this one single thing, this which is an experience being broken up with 
going through a breakup, especially if you're young and you haven't done it before, that's an experience. But you're not sitting there thinking, oh, there's this one total experience that is consuming everything. You're you're just thinking, I feel like shit. I feel bad. I can't seem to shake it. Nothing is interesting. And that's a great example of what I mean about the way that external things enter you. Where it's like, the thing that you're looking at might be incredibly interesting, and if you were in even a halfway decent mood, you would recognize that. But because it's not interesting to you, because you're feeling so bad, and you're so distracted, and and just consumed by this bad thing that happened to you, you aren't finding things interesting that you would normally find interesting. And this is obviously a symptom of depression, you know, we often see that, which is what happens to people. Like, even a non-depressed person who, who goes through a bad breakup is going to be situationally depressed for a while. Uh, so these two things, you know, they're obviously the same, pretty much the same uh, as far as, like, things that you would normally be interested in or things that would normally engage you are no longer interesting. But it's because you were in this total experience, and that colors everything else. That lays on top of everything else and colors it. And uh, so a situation like this where everybody's locked down might be the biggest version of this that I've ever experienced in terms of a single event affecting this many people. I mean, it has to be. It has to be the largest total experience consuming everybody in the world at the same time. You know, I wasn't alive for World War II. I know it's a surprise. I know that's a surprise to many listeners that I was not alive during World War II. Uh, but, uh, you know, maybe something like that was similar. I mean, no, no doubt it was similar. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard to compare these things, although I would say that anything called a world war. If you call something a world war, I would say that counts as a total experience. Yeah, that school night guy, that schoolboy. He was talking about how, uh, you know, these these world events and tragedies, they're kind of this total experience where everything else exists inside of them while they are happening. But he doesn't think World War II counts. <laughs> he doesn't even think World War II counts as a total experience. And I mean, you even see it, I mean, talking about Christmas yesterday... Christmas is a form of that. Uh, the Super Bowl is a form of that. I've talked on this show a lot about, I guess, what you might call like Super Bowl protesters. They're these people who are usually self-professed nerds or artists, something to that effect, and they feel the need to say, guess what I'm not watching today? I'm not watching the Super Bowl. People actually do this. They'll be like, what is the Super Bowl again? What is the sports bowl bowl? What is the sports ball bowl? Sports ball bowl. <laughs> They'll say things like that. They'll call it sports ball, which is their right. People have the right to call it sports ball if they want. People have the right to make uh, whatever jokes they, they heard somebody else say. They're allowed to repeat other people's jokes all they want. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things. Where so, anything that's so all-consuming that you almost have to comment on it, even if you're not interested you know around this time of year christmas time 
you're basically forced to be aware of Christmas, and I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that people are forced to be aware of Christmas, but you know, it's it's an all-consuming. You know, in this case, it's more of a ritual. Christmas is more of a ritual, but uh, you can't avoid it. That's what a total experience is. It's something you can't avoid. But you can see where these things are kind of similar. But this is the first really big bad one that everybody's had to deal with at the same exact time and that has completely shut down everything that we took for granted. Many things. But I don't think I'm alone when I say I don't want things to go back to the way they were. You know, there are good things that I I want some things to come back. When I say that, I don't mean everything. When I say I don't want things to go back to the way they were, I certainly don't mean I don't want any single thing to ever be the same. You don't mean that. You know, obviously it's not up to me to pick and choose which things go back to normal, and I wouldn't want that choice anyway. I'm excited, actually. I'm excited to see what what this brings. But I'm not excited for people to try to simulate what once was, because this was a paradigm shift. And maybe that's the better way to put it. You know, I, I'm calling it a total experience, but the better way of looking at it might be a paradigm shift because you can have a larger paradigm shift. You can have a personal paradigm shift. You know, it can play out on different levels. I personally would, I prefer total experience. Don't you dare call my total experience a paradigm shift. But that's what it is, and you know, I, I'm, I know that I'm not alone in not wanting things to go back to the way they were, because I've seen people say that, and it's kind of a, a brave thing to say in a way. It's a little bit brave, because there are so many people who very much want things to be relatively similar to the way they were. And I wouldn't be mad. You know, I was happy then. I was on, maybe if I if I wasn't happy, I was, you know, I leaned that way. I was, you know, I managed to find life enjoyable uh, before all this. <laughs> It'd be amazing if I only started finding life enjoyable now. Maybe that's going to be my new thing. Maybe that's how I become a, a more provocative person as I start saying, you know, I, I liked COVID better. I liked COVID better. My life was more enjoyable during Coronavi. But honestly, the thought of just things resuming it makes me want to just disappear. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about that earlier tonight. I was thinking, you know, it wouldn't be a terrible idea just to completely disappear after this is all officially over. And that's a funny thing. People like the idea of, oh, it's it's officially going to be over at this point. Oh, we don't know. We, you know, it is everything and nothing. It, it, coronavi is everything and nothing. But yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't be thrilled if people just try to role play that they were who they were before this. And if, if that's just the natural byproduct of becoming healthy again, of society functioning again, I, I'm, of course, totally fine with that. But I hope people don't, have, don't feel the need to role play. Just like things were before. Remember? You know, I don't want the world to be like that. But I don't think it would be a terrible idea to just disappear. I mean, maybe maybe I've already done that. I don't know. But uh, 
Don't be terribly surprised if, you know, it's it's 2035, it's 2035, there's been no peep from me since 2021, and you happen to pass by an alleyway in some city, not a place you'd expect me to be, and you hear a voice, you see a shadow moving in the alleyway, and you just hear a voice saying, Trump's failed coronavirus. Trump's failed coronavirus. And you, you just think, it jogs your memory. You just think, uh, is that what I think it is? But the shadow scurries off. But you hear one more, Trump's failed coronavirus. Before the person, before the shadow just melts with the darkness, you hear one last one. You, they say it three times. They say it three times. They say it three times because I'm saying it three times because you know that shadow is going to be me. You'll know that I still exist, but I'll be in the shadows just repeating Trump's failed coronavirus. And those words will mean nothing in 2035. <laughs> That's the reality. See, by, by 2035, Trump's failed and coronavirus, I mean, those are code. You know, those words are code. My own code, Trumpsfeld and Coronavi. But even if you said Trump and coronavirus, people are just, nobody's going to know what that means in 2035. They're going to be on something else. Even the people who were here, even the people who were, you know, who, who weren't born in 2020, the people who experienced this year, they're going to be they're not even going to know what coronavirus is in 2035. They're not even going to know who Donald Trump is. There's going to be so much they're thinking about. They're going to be like, "Oh yeah, that kind of kind of rings a bell." Coronavirus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can kind of tell in their eyes that they don't mean it. They're just pretending to remember to humor you. But I'll still be around. I'm still going to be around in 2035. I'm going to be in the shadows. I'll be in the shadow. I'm going to do my work in the shadows at that by that point. You know, maybe like I said, maybe I'm already there. Maybe that's already me. You know, now that I think about it, the idea of me just being a moving shadow in an alleyway you pass by, just whispering, hissing, just hissing it at you. Coronavirus. Trump's failed. Coronavirus. Trump's failed. Coronavirus. Trump's failed coronavirus. You know, that's that's probably who I am now. It's probably the, what this show sounds like. This show probably sounds like you just passed by an alleyway and heard someone talking, someone saying that. You know, I want to say something just to, to move topics. You know, I did my very bold and brave episode denouncing pimps. I gave my I gave this show, you know, a little, uh, I gave a pimp talk. I gave I gave a pimp talk, and don't you dare think for one second that a pimp talk means talking like a pimp, although I know I do. I know I talk like a pimp, but when I say I gave a pimp talk, I was talking about pimps. I was, I was making a very public—I was being a little politician, making the bold and brave statement that pimps are bad. Pimps are bad. Pimps, pimps are bad. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes I think that needs to be said. I mean, also just, it's not even that I'm, 
making the statement, oh, did you know pimps are bad? It's not even just that I'm making that statement. It's also just that nobody's ever stopped, except for this one teacher I referenced, and said, hey, maybe you shouldn't call people pimp as a compliment. The fact that on a cultural lever, lever, on a cultural lever, level, there wasn't really any pushback for, uh, on that at the time, and now it's just old hat. Grandmas say pimp. Grandmas see their grandsons wearing a, their new Christmas outfit, and they say, look at that little pimp. Oh, you look so pimp, little man. Grandmas say that, no. Oh, who's your grandma's little pimp? <laughs> you know, that's grandma language now. And it, it just, because it didn't get enough pushback. But anyway, you know, I already, I already made one, I already gave one pimp talk. I already denounced pimps once. I don't need to do it again. Thou doth protest pimps too much. But, you know, I got a reader question. A, re- a question from a reader came in. And if you don't understand how someone could read this show, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You're not listening right now. You're reading. You're reading something. You're not listening to someone talk. Uh, no, there, I didn't get any questions. Anytime, I, just for future reference, if I ever say, oh, there was a reader question or, oh, a listener asked a question, what that means is I asked myself a question. And I did ask myself a question after that pimp episode. I said, uh, well, what about madams? Oh, yeah, you're a big tough guy. You don't like pimps. You're just a big old tough guy who don't like pimps. What do you think of madams? That's a good question. It's a good question I asked myself. And I have a completely different take on madams. I don't see madams as, as female pimps. I see madams, they're kind of like the foreman at a construction site. They're part of the team. They, you know, even if they didn't work their way up, even if they didn't start out as one of the girls, they're still part of the team. You know, they're, they're, I don't see them as a pimp at all, even if they run the show, because I know there's some madams who work for somebody else. They might work for a pimp. They might work for a pimp. Uh, but, you know, even if they don't work for a pimp or somebody else, you know, there are madams who run the show. And I, st- I don't even see them as pimps. I still see them more like a construction foreman. And that's not to say all madams are wonderful people. I don't know. I've never met a madam. I've never been to a bordello. I've never, I've never, I've, I've never even been to a strip club. It's true, though. I've never been to a strip club. I never learned how to ride a bike. That's true, too. And I've never been to a strip club. Just a couple facts about me. You know, but I'm sure there are bad madams. That sounds good. Bad madam. Are you a bad madam? <laughs> are you a are you a good madam or a bad madam? No, I'm sure there are bad madams, you know, just like there are bad people, but uh whereas I see all pimps as bad, you know, I'm sure there are madams who are, are absolutely terrible, but I think in general I see them as part of the team even though they're in a manage a managerial sort of position, even though they're the foreman. And, you know, and with a construction site, you know, sometimes the foreman is some union goon. Sometimes it's some mafia thug. The mafia put their own guy there. 
but in general, you know, it's just, you know, it's like what you see at any workplace where there's more respect for somebody when they work their way up into a leadership position, into a managerial position. Whereas when someone is promoted from outside, there tends to be more resentment among the employees. It's like knowing that your boss knows how to do your job or knows how to do the jobs of the people below them gives you more respect for them. So I imagine it works the same way with a madam. I imagine it's sort of a similar process. Um, I just wanted to make that clear, that my statements about pimps don't apply to madams, too. But, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to make these... I I would consider that episode virtue signaling, to be honest. While I'm doing some self-reflection here, (laughs) I think that pimp episode was what people call virtue signaling. And you're going to be hearing a lot more of it. I plan to make this show non-stop virtue signaling until I just retreat to the shadows. Like, And I'm serious, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to just kind of retreat to the shadows. What that means, I don't know. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm going to go hang out in the places that pimps hang out. I'm going to go hang out in the same alleyways that pimps hang out in. That's what all this is going to end up. You know, <laughs> this is the situation I'm going to end up in. Is I'm just going to go hang out where the pimps hang out and just be angry all the time. <laughs> be like, you guys are no madam. You're not a madam. There's only bad pimps, but there's uh, only some bad madams. Yeah, I think uh, we're about out of steam here. And I do want to start doing shorter episodes. It's not good that I've been doing like hour and 40 minute long night schools. It just increases the chance that I'm saying things I'll be embarrassed about. You know, it just it, it just makes everything. I don't know. If anybody's listening to those, God bless you. I stopped advertising the show. Not that I ever advertised it, but I stopped even announcing it when I do new episodes. I don't tell anybody... So if you're still listening to the show, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope other people do, too. I don't want you to feel too special, because I wish everybody a Merry Christmas. But if you've been listening to the show, especially in this wild period of hour, two-hour-long night school episodes every other day, sometimes every day, uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that anybody would find that interesting, even as background noise. Uh, because I haven't been able to listen to those. You know, I do try to listen back to episodes just to make sure the audio is fine, and I do want to hear what I said, because sometimes I don't even know. You know, it's like looking at your own... It's like I was talking about yesterday, where it's like when you're if you're taking a mirror selfie, how it's so easy to look at the phone. Like you're looking at yourself while you're taking a photo of yourself. I would say doing a podcast is a version of that. Where it's like you you do want to hear yourself. You do want to hear yourself talk. You do want to make sure the audio is fine. But with those hour and 40 minute long episodes, like I tried to listen to part of one and I was just like, I shouldn't be doing this. I can't be doing this. You know, it's one thing to talk to yourself for that amount of time. 
It's one thing to talk to yourself after a prolonged period of isolation for an hour and 40 minutes straight. It's an entirely different beast to talk to yourself for an hour and minute, an hour and 40 minutes straight and then listen to yourself for that same amount of time. You know, you don't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's one thing, it's like this mirrored effect. You say it and then you hear it. No, you can't do that. You can't spend three hours and 20 minutes with yourself like that. So not even I can listen back to those to even just check to make sure that the audio is fine or anything like that. Not that it even matters. Not that it even matters if the audio is fine. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to keep it here. We're going to be under 40 minutes here today. I don't know that I'll do another one of these before Christmas. So if I don't do another episode before Christmas, I'll just say, have a very Merry Christmas. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can